Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. Inspired by the mission, 7 billion fulfilled people, I track down the greatest thought leaders on the planet and interview them about happiness and fulfillment. Today I'm speaking with Mark Nepo. Mark is a poet and philosopher who has taught in the fields of poetry, health and spirituality for over 40 years. A New York Times number one best-selling author, he has published 18 books and has inspired readers all over the world. In 2016, he was named by Watkins, Mind, Body, Spirit, as one of the 100 most spiritually influential living people and was also chosen as one of Oprah Winfrey Network's Super Soul 100, a group of inspired leaders using their gifts and voices to elevate humanity. He's been interviewed by Oprah multiple times. He's been on Good Morning America. He's been on the list goes on and on. So it's a huge honor to have you here today, Mark. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. It's great to be with you. Now... Well, I'm going to start this off with, I heard you talk about this idea where all things are true, not all things are fair, not all things are right or just, but all things are true. What, what, what exactly do you mean by that? Well, let me give you an example of where this started to become into my consciousness. And, and this goes back to, you know, when I was going through my cancer journey, the heat of it. You know, I had a very difficult, I just had a rib removed from my back and I was in uh, going to another hospital to have the first uh, very aggressive chemo treatment and it really was botched and I was in a Holiday Inn outside of New York City um, and it was very uh, painful and I was getting sick every 20 minutes and so, you know, in the middle of like four or five in the morning, getting ready to go to the emergency room, exhausted, sitting on the floor, I started to understand, you know, my former wife was there and she very frustrated and in tears, I, you know, called out, where is God? Where is God? And I don't know, I was on the floor with my hands on my knees and I don't know where it came from me. And I whispered here right here. And, you know, that didn't make my terror or my pain or what I was going through vanish. But I started to understand, and actually I've spent many years trying to understand what came from me in that moment. I'm not sure I still do. But what I have learned is that to be broken is no reason to see all things as broken. So while my reality in that moment was filled with fear and pain and uncertainty and not knowing what was going to happen next. The sun was coming up. And I started to realize there are other things that are happening at this very moment that are also true. I'm needing to go to the emergency room. I have cancer. I just had a rib removed from my back and experienced a chemo treatment that was botched. But somewhere nearby, a baby was being born. And somewhere else, a couple were making love for the first time. And somewhere else, people who hadn't spoken to each other in years were finally sitting down and saying they were sorry. And so we tend in our pain and in our fear to try to choose like a seesaw to say, well, this is happening to me. So, you know, I was in fear and everything was unknown. So that means that, you know, we want in our pain, understandably, to say, oh, well, that's the way the world is. 
but that's not true. Or we go the other way. And because I realized that there are so many things happening around, then, oh, that must mean what I'm going through doesn't matter. All things are true. What I was going through was true and all these other things were true. And the sun was coming up. And so even as we're speaking now, you know, there we know there are difficult things happening to people and wonderful things happening to people. And we have to let all of it in to gain access to the resiliency and the mystery of life. I, I read, um, it, was a, it was a beautiful line which um, from one of your books, which is kind of about what you were just saying. I mean, if peace, if peace comes from seeing the whole, then misery stems from a loss of perspective. So is that like, for example, if we are just looking, yes. in, if we're just looking almost, I don't want to say short-sighted, but if we're just seeing what's in front of us, we're just seeing the problem, then, you know, we can, it's easy to think, you know, the world is out to get us. Why does bad stuff happen to me? As opposed to taking a step back and just seeing the whole. Yes. And, and, and so let's talk about that a little bit because life is continually unfolding. It doesn't stop. So take, take the image of, a, of a, bit, a wave in the ocean. If I'm on a raft in the ocean, well, when the wave lifts me at the top of the wave, I can see forever. But then the wave goes down in the belly, and now I can't see. But then the wave brings me up again. And this is, this is the rhythm of life. And part of our challenge is when I'm in the belly of the wave, not to forget what I saw at the top of the wave. Now we have, there are whole philosophies and, and, and lifestyles that come out of freezing one part of this cycle. You know, those who, um, you know, see from the top of the wave or in a moment, you know, want to stop in the good moments and, and deny all the rest and so they want to transcend out of here people want to say this is wonderful or you know cheer up and and that you know that's ridiculous just as it's as ridiculous on the other side to freeze it in the belly of the wave and say yes there are difficult things there are terrible things that happen but that's not all that's happening and in order to right size the rhythm and unfolding of life, we need to let both in. We don't, we can't run from one or the other. So, so take, for example, and this is a good example. If you, um, and I've written about this in, I think the book of awakening, but you're walking along on a hike on a beautiful day and you really, you're looking and you don't see where you're going and you stub your toe. Like, like when you think you might've broken your toe. And so in that instant, the whole world is the pain in your toe, your whole body, everything, okay? That's the way pain and fear and worry and all the difficult things introduce themselves. That's how they say hello. That's how they get our attention. But you, you sit there, but, you know, the sun hasn't stopped shining. The, the wonder of life hasn't stopped happening. And you're, so, so after a few minutes, it starts, it settles and it, it's throbbing. And that's now that's where we live. That's the choice. We can't deny the pain in our toe, but now we start to see everything again. And we have to navigate life because we know if we deny our pain, it only makes it bigger. But we, we can't drown in it either. I was going to say, I guess like, the second we realize 
and understand the natural rhythms and flows and the ebbs and flows and the waves as ups and downs, once we understand and really like embrace that idea of these cycles, then it's quite freeing. And it's when you're in that downtime, you just know, okay, just ride it out, and then it goes. You, in the, you know, you got the good, and then it's you. You can just go with that the rhythm as opposed to sunny thinking this is it oh my god when are we going to get out like if you understand those flows then i guess it's quite a liberating thing i i can well imagine. it it right sizes our struggles it doesn't eliminate them there is no eliminating the you know the struggles uh, you know as we look at nature we you know we know that erosion you know trees cliffs wind water that pounding on the cliffs of the sea, they erode nature and parts of nature to their beauty, till their inner beauty comes out. Well, like it or not, suffering is like human erosion. I'm not advocating suffering. It's like we're talking like gravity. This is like spiritual physics. Nobody likes suffering. Nobody signs up for it. But we are worn and if we can help each other stand up to that wearing that to our inner beauty shows itself so we don't have to go looking for it but we can't pretend it's not not there you know and so yes understanding this doesn't we can't skip over it but you know so there's a there's a paradox here that um you know when i'm afraid or in pain i want the company of someone who understands what it is to be afraid or in pain. But I need everything that is safe and not broken to heal. I just don't need to be with broken things. I need, you know, if I'm afraid, I need safety. So while I need the compact the company of someone who understands what it is to be afraid, I need that's where being in that hotel room and suffering and realizing that there were things around me that weren't suffering was actually healing. The way light fills every darkness, that's what light does. So that's where I think that life has been made just difficult enough that we need each other to ensure the journey of love. And no one quite knows how to do this, but that's that's our journey that's the journey of love is to discover how together you discussed the importance of doing only one thing at a time why why is that so important well it's important because <clears throat> doing one thing at a time is how we give our full presence and hold nothing back and that's kind of the emission ticket to feeling oneness to feeling uh, eternity to feeling. So we are one of the only creatures. We have the capacity to do more than one thing at a time. And it's also our curse because when we do more than one thing at a time, it diminishes our presence. And when our presence is diminished, we're not totally here. And so the reward for a mer you know, I remember my father who's now gone, uh, three or four years, he lived to be 93, and he was a master woodworker, an amazing. And I remember as a boy, and, I, and this really was a lesson I didn't know I was learning then. As a boy, I watched him working on building these, to, to scale 
sailing ships out of wood in our basement. And he would spend hours and I would sit on the stairs and I'd watch him. And what I learned from him was, though he didn't know he was teaching it and I didn't know I was learning it. But what I learned as I look back on all that was, yes, he, he did excellent work, but that's not what he was doing. When he immersed himself and gave his all and was fully present, when he was working with a tweezer to put rigging in place that was like twine, he felt his immersion, he fell into the moment of everyone who ever was building a boat in history. He fell into the river that moment. And so the reward for immersion is oneness and being fully alive. Chances are if we immerse ourselves, we'll do excellent work. But if we aim just for excellence, we may not immerse ourselves. So the pre, you know, it's like you can be sitting there anywhere, and even in a, you know, in the public, or at a party, and yes, there are a thousand distractions. But our job is to have our heart be with whoever is right before us, because otherwise we won't be fully here. I I totally I totally agree. I'm just nodding. It's yeah. I think it's just giving somebody your total undivided attention and presence and i think that's one of the greatest sort of you know so we're not on you know we're not suddenly checking whatsapp at the same time or suddenly looking over there or kind of thinking it's like we're having a conversation right now and we're actually just like let's just have a conversation there's no like two or three things at the same time i think that's uh not a lost art but i think it's such it's i think it's one of the the greatest sort of gifts or abilities that you can just give somebody just give them your undivided attention well and i think i think that you know um our presence is one of the greatest gifts that that we have and um it is really um what is necessary to to be fully here and that's what brings us alive you know thomas merton was a great uh writer uh and and monk and um and he said one of the many things he said, but he said, if we truly beheld each other, we would fall down and worship each other. If we were truly here. And the other thing that happens is, you know, when we're fully present, we stop rehearsing. And we're living. So one of the, so in other words, you know, if we're sitting somewhere or you're, at, at, you know, with friends or anywhere a lot of times when we talk to each other, when we listen, we're searching for what story we're going to respond with. <laughs> and we're not there. Pausing, waiting for your chance to talk back. <laughs> right. Well, that's not really listening. We're not there. Because if I really listen to you, I don't know what I'm going to say after I'm touched by you. And one of the other things about what we're talking about that I've learned in my life is that you know, one of the menacing assumptions that is really detrimental to all of us is the assumption that life is happening other than where we are. And that's what triggers us to scan the room. Um, is there somebody else I should be talking to? I don't want to miss anything. And the truth is, there is no there. There's only here. There's only now. And yes, we travel and we go places and we do all these things on the surface but it's all to return to the same deep moment 
that opens up when we hold nothing back and give our all. What do you believe the world is most in need of? Uh, well, I think I think we're most in need of people admitting that we don't know how to do this and listening to each other and listening because when we do that we start to discover that we are each other that we are at heart the same you know one of the things i've been thinking a lot because we are at a tipping point as the as the world has been before but i've tried to think of where we are uh across the globe in a deeper context. And what that's come up for me is imagine, I think that there are two initial tribes that have been throughout humanity and, and we belong to both. And so imagine the first human beings coming upon each other in cave times. And one is at the mouth of the cave and, and sees the, the, another being inside. And the one inside sees the person and he goes, oh, you're different. Go away. And that was the beginning of the go away tribe. And depending on the level of fear. So now I can't if I'm really afraid, I can't trust that you've gone away. I have to put you somewhere to make sure you go away. And that's led to detention camps and all kinds of prisons. And if at its worst extreme. The go-away tribe is so governed by fear that it says, I can't even trust that you'll go away. I have to make you go away. And now we have terrible genocides and killings. But the other being, a human being at the front of the cave, sees the person, a different, another person inside and goes, oh, you're different. Come teach me. And that's the beginning of the come teach me tribe. You know, Plato had said, we're all, we're each of us born whole, W-H-O-L-E, but we need each other to be complete. And all the traditions speak about this differently. In the Jewish tradition, God is known as an indwelling presence. And it's only through relationship that that comes alive. So, no, come teach me. to get. We're more together than alone. And the greatest periods of enlightenment have been the extreme of the come teach me tribe. Well... You know, every day we wake up and depending on our fear, we can switch tribes on the level of our fear. And so where are we? We're at a tipping point today. Is this an era of come teach me or go away? And a lot rides on that. How, if we're at that tipping point, what, what questions or what, what do we need to be thinking about? Or how can, how can we tip it in the favor of, Come teach me. What are we needing? More just, yeah, you know, we're in the age of the internet. So like more like just showing each other like our differences, more traveling, more like, I don't, I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, how can we, how can we move in that direction? I think what we need, um, which we've always needed, um, and we have more tools and technology is a great tool. We wouldn't be able to be talking if we didn't have this right now. Um, but what we need is like, you know, Mother Teresa talked about, doing small things with love. What we need is right wherever we are to open our hearts and, and care for each other. You know, if we see someone, you know, I remember years ago, I mean, I'm fine, but you know, um, I remember years ago when I was younger, maybe your age, you know, seeing an old 
an older woman in the grocery store and she was so slow. She was holding up everybody. And, you know, I was quietly impatient, like, what's wrong with her? Why can't she move faster? Well, you know, I've had things happen to me, like almost die from cancer. And, and, uh, and, you know, I tweaked my back, you know, uh, play, you know, doing some kind of sport. Oh, well then I understand. You know, so now when I in the grocery store and I'm behind someone who's old, who's, who's taking a long time, I go and help them. I don't sit and quietly wait. So this is the difference. We have to, by being fully present, as we were talking earlier, by holding nothing back, the connections in the world get reaffirmed. And, and things, you know, if you imagine the world, humanity, as a global body, and each of us is a cell, we need, every time we talk like this, every time we help each other, we're strengthening the immune system of humanity. That's what we need. That's a nice way to put it. Strengthen the immune system of humanity. Yeah. I like that. Today, what, what, what scares you? What scares me um, now is... Yeah, I think I think people being unkind to each other, cruel, you know, is the biggest thing. I mean, certainly there's a fear of death as I get older. Um, but, you know, that's a conversation each of us has to have over time. We have a conversation with life and death. And so that flares, you know, I don't I, I you know, I want to be here. I don't want to go yet. You know, I mean, I'm well, I'm healthy. But there's always that. But I think that, you know, there's two kinds of fear. You know, there's the proper use of fear is fear is a mechanism inside us that alerts us to danger. So, you know, all of a sudden I start to, we're talking on the street and we don't realize it and we step into the curb and a car starts to come by and we, oh, and we jump back on the curb, you know, on the curb because we weren't paying attention. That's the proper use of fear. But fear that eats at our heart is fear that comes from believing that life is other than where we are and we're missing something or fear that, that, uh, you know, fear gets its power from not looking when we don't look at things that trouble us, they get bigger and fear of, you know, the future, you know, just as many good things happen from the unknown as bad things. So, you know, the part of the spiritual physics is that I've noticed over time that when things fall apart, they make a lot of noise. But when things come together, they're very quiet. Now, things are always coming together and falling apart. But we live in an age worldwide that is addicted to the noise of things falling apart. And this instills unnecessary fear. So, you know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, you would turn on the TV and there would be the weather report. Now it's called Storm Watch. <laughs> well, the last I look, last I look, that's not the only kind of weather. There's many kinds of weather. So I'm not a proponent. We don't need just a good news station. We need a whole news station. We need to have the things reported when things come together as much as falling apart and not just the one because it's always both and this gets back to all things are true 
I love that. That's that's hilarious. Stormwatch. Um, it reminded me of a guy. Um, uh, I don't know if you've come across James Altucher, but um, he used to. Um, I think it was James Altucher. He used to work uh, in a newspaper uh, or in a news place, and he actually doesn't watch news anymore because he basically he described it as they're they're cool every single time they turn up to work. Uh, they were told to pretty much treat every day like it's Halloween. And so (laughs) I just love that way of like every day is Halloween. It doesn't matter what it is, whatever's happening. Like it's your job's to scare people. Um, And it's just like, so that completely just like put him off actually consuming a lot of the news. But yeah, Stormwatch, I'll remember that. (laughs) This is episode, I'm not sure, 104, 105. And uh, you almost like, even if I was trying not to see the, the the themes or trying not to like keep my ears closed, you can't help but notice where you're talking to people from all different walks of lives, different backgrounds, different ages, different countries. <clears throat> presence, 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 presence. I mean, it's just it's it it just comes up again and again and again in the terms of it. It's just so important, and people can you know say it in different ways, but just you know just be here now right now focus on the task at hand one thing at a time we're we're talking about the same thing but in just different ways but just it's huge isn't it it's just such a massive point that you can't reinforce it enough yeah and i think it takes a quiet courage to be present yes there are there are things we need to um there are times that we need to we life moves by opening and closing you know, our eyes are blinking as we're talking, our lungs are, lungs are expanding and contracting as we're breathing, and we have to decide who to trust and what to say and what not to say. Yeah, that's all true. <clears throat> but that's, but the light inside of us never stops. You know, the sun is the sun because it emanates light and warmth in all directions without preference. That's how it is the sun. Well, the heart is an inner sun. And so while maybe, you know, we're, we're uh, in our, each other's lives and maybe um, you, you do something hurtful, well, I don't shut down my heart. I don't shut down the inner sun. Maybe I close the blinds for a while and opening the blinds and closing the blinds and opening the window and putting a screen and all of that emotionally and mentally, that's in the province of how we negotiate the surface world. But often, in an effort to protect ourselves, we think we're closing the blinds and we start to shut down our heart. And presence comes from having an open heart. And no matter what happens, and whatever decisions I have to make, I have to be devoted to never shutting down the inner sun. What does a fulfilled life mean to you? A fulfilled life means to me to be fully present, holding nothing back. Holding nothing back. I like that. Just playing full out, just really turning up. Yeah. And being human, I'm not going to be able to do that all the time. Medieval monks, when asked how they practiced their faith, I said by falling down and getting up. And I love that. So, no, but I aspire to it. And being human, I won't be able to do it all the time. But, you know, more than I used to. What is one thing all our listeners can start doing today that will positively affect their lives? Well, I I would say that, you know, the old is what we've been talking about is I think if we return 
you know, one of the great, simplest and the greatest, uh, hardest thing sometimes to remember is how rare it is to be here at all. And when we can return to that, then our eyes see differently, our ears hear differently, and then we make different decisions. So, you know, we're going to fall down, we're going to trip, we're going to spill the garbage, we're going to break things, we're going to, you know, we're going to get confused and tangled. But when we can make a practice of return, of returning to, my God, we're actually alive. And of all the things we could be, we're human beings this time. Wow. Then that will return us to our, the center of our presence. And we'll see differently, hear differently, and love differently. How can people find out more about you and your work? Where can we send them? Oh, thank you. Well, you know, I have a couple of websites, uh, marknepo.com and also threeintentions, spelled out, com and there you know all my books are on Amazon and everywhere on my website and folks can uh, you know uh, there's my teaching and speaking schedule is there um, on three intentions if you sign up um, we share uh, I share a piece of thinking and writing uh, once a week and that kind of goes out to a, uh, you know a shared email list all over the world Mark thank you so much for yeah, for coming on, for speaking from Michigan, from Michigan, Michigan to Amsterdam. Look, this is one of the good things of technology. We we can have this conversation from across the world. I appreciate it. It's It's been lovely speaking with you. Yeah, thank you so much. 